You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by the Breeders' Cup. Good morning and a happy new year. Welcome to 2023 and thank you for your support of the podcast. It's Monday the 2nd of January and a beautiful bright start to proceedings here in TW11 as well. What have we got to look forward to through the next half an hour, 40 minutes or so? Well, we'll be looking back at all the excellent action that's taken place over the weekend, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. Poignant and important triumph for Cheltenham Gold Cup winner of two years ago, Manella Indo at his local track at Tremor. More of that later. Hermes Allen, Maurice Rock, the stars of the show at Newbury and Cheltenham, respectively, in the UK. And we'll also be looking ahead to this weekend's Tolworth Hurdle in the company of the owner of the likely favourite authorised speed, Pat Gallagher, plus analysing how it is now that some of the better recruits from the Irish point-to-point field are being trained in the UK. Agent Tom Malone will be along a little bit later on. Charlie Johnston has his first runner today without his legendary father Mark's name alongside him on the licence. That's at 12.53 at Lingfield Park. He'll be talking to me as well. David Yates from the Daily Mirror is standing by with commentary on all the above. And first of all, Alan King, trainer of Edwardstone, who didn't complete in the Desert Orchid Chase at Kempton Park over the Christmas period. Uh, these are the plans for him now. I first of all began by asking the Barbary Castle trainer how his horse had come out of that uh, of that race. Hundred um, percent. You know, he bounced up the yard the, the following morning. Um, he's been cantering away, and he schooled this morning. Um, jumped six fences, and um, yeah, it was foot perfect. I, I, was, I was looking at him completing the course ride list and I thought there aren't that many horses genuine enough to go all the way round, jump the last in front and try all the way to the line without a jockey on. Uh, quite, yeah, but he, he looked to be through perfect after he got rid of Tom. So, uh, yeah, well, I just think he was probably a little bit fresh last week, you know. Um, it had only been three weeks since the Tingle Creek and we hadn't done a lot with him just to try and, you know, get him there in good form. But I just think he was a little bit gung-ho, you know, and gung-ho. And, um, anyway, he's going to do plenty of work and he'll hopefully have to ask it uh, on the 21st. It's funny that because I remember actually having a conversation with you around about the last same time last year when everyone was saying, oh, no, no, we're going to leave the horses alone for a bit. And you say, I can't do that. I've got to keep running him because if I don't keep, I don't keep running him, then he's, he starts being a bit of a headbanger. Well, not a headbanger, but he's only full of himself, you know, quite boisterous. But, um, you know, anyway, look, I'm, I'm, we're all happy with him. And I think that'll be the plan. Hopefully ask it. And then if that's all all right, we look at the game spirit in between. All right, that was Alan King. David Yates, a happy new year, newsboy of the Daily Mirror, and it'll be a busy new year, happily, for Edward Stone. It's very rare, Dave, that you get a trainer nominating not one but two targets between now and the Cheltenham Festival. Absolutely right. Happy New Year to you, Nick, and to all the listeners of the NLD. Indeed, uh, one has spent a large chunk of one's professional life over the the last week saying to people, and will they run again uh, between now and Cheltenham? And most of the time, the response has been, well, I don't think we need to go anywhere. So indeed, it's very refreshing uh, to see a trainer nominate not one but two 
targets. I don't think there are any real problems in the in the jumping department with Edward Stone. Um, he was impressive with his fencing when he won the Tingle Creek. When he did come down at the fifth at, of those 12 obstacles in the Desert Orchid Chase, his price for the Queen Mother Champion Chase at Cheltenham didn't really change. He's still the 5-2 uh, second favourite behind title holder Energumen. But it'll be really good to see Edward Stone twice uh, between now and the Cheltenham Festival. All right, let's have a look back on what's been taking place over the weekend. Most important success for Minella Indo, for the horse, but most particularly for Henry de Bromhead at his local course, Tremor, where the reception was was tremendous. The stars aligned yesterday for Manella Indo in that Savile's New Year's Day chase. Dave, just just expand a little bit on that. They really did. Jack de Bromhead was killed in a pony racing accident at the age of 13 in September. Yesterday's card honoured him, uh, a race named after Jack. And of course, the, the feature race was the, the the Savile's New Year's Day chase in which Minella Indo had his first run since he'd pulled up at Punchestown in the spring. And this was a, a, a poignant and a, a really fitting victory uh, for the 10-year-old. He got the better of Statler, who was the, the 4-5 favourite for Willie Mullins by a neck under uh, a really strong ride from Rachel Blackmore. Now, of course, the the, the nuts and bolts of the racing, um, Minella Indo is now 14-1 to one to become only the second horse in jump racing history to regain the Cheltenham Gold Cup. The other, of course, was Corto Star in 2009. But much more importantly, from uh, a human interest point of view, this this was a day in which the local community and indeed the, the wider racing world showed their respect and their support uh, for the de Bromhead family. And that's why afterwards the trainer himself said this was one of the most important days of, of his life and his training career. Yeah, Henry de Bromhead, lovely interview on Racing TV afterwards uh, as well. And he certainly was um, full steam ahead for the Gold Cup, and why wouldn't he be a horse who tends to really have a spring in his step when it comes to Cheltenham in March? That'll be the hopes for Hermes Allen, a star of the future, a star of the present, judged by his grade one victory in the cello hurdle at Newbury on Saturday, giving Paul Nichols yet another win in that race, a race he's taken with Denman, but more recently with Brave Man's Game and with Stage Start. Dave, how impressed were you with Hermes Allen, an expensive recruit from the Irish point-to-pointing field? Yeah, I don't see how one could be anything but really impressed uh, with the way that Hermes Allen did that. Um, he'd won on uh, a quicker surface at Cheltenham the time before. Remember, this was the horse. He cost 350 grand, didn't he, out of the point-to-point -point field. Uh, they went to Stratford for a maiden hurdle in October, and I think uh, Paul Nichols was slightly... Uh, trepidatious about that first run because he felt that the horse hadn't really shown an awful lot considering his price tag and remember among the owners former Manchester United manager Sir Alex Ferguson Hermes Allen won that race by 27 lengths on Saturday he wasn't really troubled at all he did, hardly came off the bridle to beat you wear it well uh, by just under five lengths it was really impressive he was uh, cut further to the head of the market I think he's now about three to one uh, for the Ballymore novices hurdle and he looks very very impressive doesn't he this horse um Paul Nichols wasn't at Newbury on Saturday. He was attending the 80th birthday party of his landlord, Paul Barber. And speaking from the celebrations, he said, I just turned to Paul and I said he could be our next Denman. Well, as you say, Denman won this race en route to uh, a 
a storied career, the, the beginning of a storied career that included victory in the 2008 Cheltenham Gold Cup. If Hermes Allen can be as good as him, then we've got something to look forward to. And the champion trainer 13 times, Paul Nichols, started 2023 much as he ended 2022 with four winners across the country on New Year's Day. Amongst them was a ridiculously impressive winner of the National Hunt Flat Race at Exeter. That horse was called Wrapped Up in May. Like a whole glut of store horses and recruits from the Irish Point to Point Field, he's been bought recently on behalf of Johnny and Samantha Delahaye, the owners, by agent Tom Malone, to whom I've been speaking. I asked him for his assessment as he was on the ground yesterday at Exeter. I went, <clears throat> I went to Exeter yesterday um, because I knew he was running and Johnny and Sam are away on holidays. So I said I'd go down and make sure everything was okay down there. Paul was in Cheltenham. Um, it was very, very visually impressive. Uh, the ground was very heavy in the end and he loved it. He won in Drumahan by 25 lengths on yield into soft ground. So the ground wasn't going to be an issue. And he's 16-3, 17 hands with a, with a good good stay in pedigree so we were we were very confident he could go and win what he actually done in the end was was mind-blowing to be quite honest yeah and uh, you know, for all that the opposition might not have been you know all that exciting he he just never seemed to never come out of second gear well it's very rare you see a race over leaving the back straight at exeter and that's what it looked like yesterday so and all he done was canter home in the end but done it with his ears pricked so very very nice for johnny and sam to have a couple of what looked like real bullets to fire now for the future. Uh, we had one win in Plumpton two two or three weeks ago called Captain Teague. He's a touch of class now. He could be. He, he's a name we'll we'll talk about plenty of times in the future. Captain Teague. Do you think he could be the best of this little group? Do you? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think he's. I think he's definitely a graded horse, and time will tell. He won. He won in a place called Knockenard in Ireland, which has been responsible for some of the. The stars in the last five, six, seven years, um, Fernie Hollows came out there. And when I say that, you have to be a good horse to win a two and a half mile maiden there because it's the closest thing to Toaster Racecourse. Remember Toaster? Yeah, with a stiff uphill finish, yeah. They have to climb the hill three times. And if they've done that well, they're good horses. Okay, so he's one that we, we need to be looking out for. Anything that's about to appear in the next couple of weeks? Well, I just, I just actually bought another one from the Pine of Pine Field that won in Boris just before Christmas. Welcome to Car Trees, he's called. He could be very, very nice. He won by 18 lengths first time out and looks devastating. So he could be one for the... He's definitely one for the future. He's, he's one to look forward to now in the next six, eight weeks in a, in a race when he comes out. And when there was a, a complete uh, Irish domination of the Cheltenham Festival the last couple of years, everyone's saying, well, British trainers can't get their hands on the good raw material out of the Irish point-to-point field. Is this a sign that the times are changing? Well, it's, it's not even a sign that times are changing. If The, the problem is that they're, they're costing so much money now, and you need to be ready in advance to say yes, because there are five or six in Ireland that will say yes straight away. But if we're in that position and we've put ourselves in that position now that we it doesn't take days to make a decision. We make a decision when we know the right one is ready and we make a decision as quick as anyone, you will get the best horse. And it's all down to being in the right place, the right time with the funds behind you to purchase these good horses. And we will get them. No doubt we'll get them. But you just have to be ready and waiting. You've got to have the war chest and then you and then you fire straight away. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, it's not a case of an horse wins. You just say, "Yeah, I'll have him." No, the homework is done before he's got to the point-to-point point field. Like I, I'm going to spend 
seven or eight days this month coming now in Ireland looking at between 350 and 400 four-year-olds that will run over the next three or four months. So my job is to relax on a Sunday afternoon, make a decision after the race has happened, and it's an informed decision. It's not a, a gun ho I wonder is this one good. No, we know this is good. This is the one to get our hands on. I remember going to a point of point field in Ballinaboola probably five or six years ago, Nick, and there were six runners in the race. And I ended up buying the winner. I went to buy the eventual third, and he got spit out on the day. There was two Cheltenham Festival winners in that race, on violin and appreciate. There was two champion horses in a six-runner maiden in a, in a field. You know, it's, it's mind-boggling when you think about it, but the, the horses are in Ireland, they're in point of point fields on a Sunday, and we must be ready to buy them. That was Agent Tom Malone. Interesting thoughts at the end there, Dave, about you, you need the money, but yet you need to be ready to press go straight away. And it's not a question of the fact that people can't afford the Irish point-to-pointers in England. It's just a question of methodology of purchase. Yeah, it is quite interesting that. I I, um, I operate in the auction world myself, uh, not in uh, <laughs> thoroughbreds, but with top hats. And I, I'm always apt, if I want to buy something, I'm always apt, most of the time, of course, I'm bidding online, and I just go straight. When, when the bid comes to me, I don't hesitate and go, yep, 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 until it goes to a price where I think, well, actually, I'm going to bottle it and walk away. Um, so I, that's, a, uh, that's a tactic that, uh, funnily enough, I feel able to relate to. But with regard to um, the, the fact that these horses are uh, now, or some of these horses are now being trained in Britain, um, that is for the for the good of the sport. It's, it's not that the, the Irish uh, domination of Cheltenham is, I, I think, by... Uh, from a neutral position, not a good thing. It's it's good to have uh, shared power at, at any uh, marquee competition in sports. And so this is something that can only be for the, the good of the sport in the short, medium and long term. All right. It's not just about Paul Nichols, of course. And Nicky Henderson's been amongst the winners as well. Marise Rock came back with a blinding win in the Rail Keel Hurdle at Cheltenham yesterday. She is the defending champion for the Mayor's Race at the Cheltenham Festival. Looks like she'll head there. There were calls afterwards for her to drop back and go for the champion hurdle and take on stable companion Constitution Hill, more of whom later in the programme. Um, though Tom Palin of the owners Midland Park Racing was on this podcast last week saying he felt that her improvement had coincided with her going up to two and a half miles, Dave. What would you do? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say that I would do exactly the same thing. I would go for the mayor's hurdle. Um, I don't like the watering down of competition at the Cheltenham Festival, um, but... Uh, this mayor, I, I think that that's a, a fair observation that she seems to be better over two and a half than two. Um, in this instance, would I want to take on Constitution Hill over a trip that I think is probably short of her optimum? Or would I go for the grade one race that she won a year ago? Well, I, I, I'm sorry to say, I think that's a bit of a no brainer. Yep. Marie's Rock uh, bound for the mayor's hurdle again. I would go champion hurdle purely because she's already won a mayor's hurdle. If she hadn't won one, I'd say fine. She's already won one in terms of her connections, syndicate ownership, giving them an experience, a new experience, giving her a new experience. You never know what's going to happen to Constitution Hill on the day. Anything can happen. You finish second to him, almost think, well, that's actually a worthier achievement than winning the same race she won last year. But I think that's the problem with the Cheltenham Festival. Now, false equivalence between the various races. Uh, talking about a horse the other day, like Gaia de Manil going for the three-mile six furlong grade two rather than the three-mile grade one, as though they're actually of the same status. They're not. The, the reason the reason that I say I would go for the mayor's hurdle, and I, in common perception, is this year's champion hurdle 
an open race. No, it's not. We've got a seven to two on favourite who is being widely lauded as perhaps the uh, the best hurdler maybe that we we've ever seen, and that would influence my decision. If they were going three four to one the field in the champion hurdle, I might be uh, persuaded to roll the dice in that race. The position of of Constitution Hill and what at the moment looks an invulnerable position. And I, I know that, as you say, anything can go wrong or any anything can happen with a horse on any given day. Uh, the fact that he's so dominant would persuade me to look uh, back to uh, a hunting ground where perhaps I've been before uh, with Marie's Rock. Although it hasn't been a happy hunting ground for Dan and Harry Skelton, particularly over the Christmas period by their own high standards with a number of high-profile reverses, they did strike in the feature handicap chase at Cheltenham yesterday with Midnight River, who's a thoroughly likable horse. And once again, we were treated to Harry Skelton's now trademark arms out aeroplane style celebration. Look, mum, no hands as he as he crossed the finishing line, which uh, has become a well, I was going to say it's become a talking point, but it hasn't really become a talking point. It's just uh, something a bit different, Dave. Yeah, it is. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if if the officials did say to Harry Skelton, look, if you take your um, hands off the reins, it's possible that if your horse jinked, you might uh, cause a danger to another horse or another rider. Um, you might maybe be setting an example that a less able and less experienced jockey than yourself might seek to do the same. It's very difficult. People, people are going to say, oh, look at that hoe face uh, telling people not to celebrate. And I'm really not saying that. I think that... Um, as a lover of all sports, I love it when practitioners celebrate victory and uh, give give open vent to their to their feelings at that very precious and and cherished moment. Uh, but I'm just not sure that the officials are going to see it quite that way. Yeah, I, I don't know to be honest. I I've not seen any. I've not seen anyone ha- having a moan about it really. Not even in the not even in the darker recesses of social media. But maybe I've been maybe I've been missing them. Either way, well done to to them and certainly adding a bit of um, much-needed exuberance to proceedings, uh, Harry Skelton. Now, 12.53 today, Lingfield, Charlie Johnston strikes out on his own as a trainer. Well, he doesn't really. It's just a question of what it says on the licence because he's held the joint licence with his father, Mark, for some time now, prior to which his, his own father had been the most successful trainer Great Britain has ever seen by number of winners trained. I spoke to Charlie a little earlier on and asked him how it had all come about and how the the new relationship is is going to work. To be fair, it was only only first discussed at our annual board and budget meeting at the start of December, and it was Dad who who voiced the idea, um, and from then on it was a case of of speaking to the VHA and speaking to all our owners. Um, to see if we thought it was something that was feasible to, to do by the 1st of January. And once we thought it was, and the owners were all thankfully on, on board with the change, it was it was full steam ahead. But um, as you say, yeah, it wasn't... Um, he didn't want a big song and dance about uh, about a retirement because I don't think he's he's viewing it as a retirement, that's for sure. And he's always conceived of of training in a more in a more business-like way than I think a lot of a lot of his counterparts is this just a natural extension of that for sure you know we um we rebranded mark johnston racing as johnston racing probably five years ago i would say um and that was to you know, to be more inclusive of 
my mum's and my involvement, but also the involvement of all the team of people we have behind us at, at Kingsley Park. And um, he's always been a great advocate of, of training under a, under a banner such as Johnson Racing rather than rather than one person's name. Yeah, so it's not about it's not about ego. It's it's about pragmatism. Having said that, when you when you watch your horse running today in the twelve fifty three at at Lingfield and it just says Charlie Johnston, psychologically, does it feel any different to you? Um, I know it's funny when I when I opened the paper this morning and it said new trainers Charlie Johnston. Um, you know there was a it did hit home a little bit that um, yeah things will change slightly. For all I don't feel that the role at home or you know, the, the service that I'm going to be offering the, the owners and the staff is going to change because it's a role that I've been doing for a number of years now and you know, there is going to be that little bit more responsibility, accountability for, for the results that's going to lie on my shoulders and you know, I'm looking forward to that responsibility and, and trying to drive the business forward for the future. And whilst I said that you know this is a, a lot about business and, and not so much about personality it had clearly it had clearly irked your dad a little bit maybe that he felt that you weren't getting quite the credit that people of your of your vintage were getting for for doing similar things in the in the training ranks yeah i think it's it's understandable for, for those in the in the media that the, the default um the default phrase when the horse crossed the line was to say it was trained by mark johnston because Five thousand of them beforehand had been, um, and you know, the the phrase Charlie and Mark Johnston wasn't as palatable it seemed for for a few. So um, yeah, and also we it does um, every every record at a track or a meeting, um, you know, the scorecard got set to to zero again for for Charlie and Mark Johnston, and it's going to get set to zero again. Uh, in my own name, and we felt it was it was sooner sooner the better to do that and, and start building those mammoth totals again. Hopefully, when you just look at the the sheer magnitude of that achievement from a, a standing start over five thousand winners, um, how do how do you reflect upon it from from such a sort of close position? In all, really, um, and I think that's the one thing that sometimes gets forgotten a bit because he's been so successful for so long over a hundred winners every year from 1994 people forget that only seven years before that in 1987 he had none um and he had three horses on a lincolnshire bombing range so it is yeah it's that determination um just that self-belief to have taken it from where it was to where it is now um, it takes a, you know, a very special individual to to create what he has and um, I'm just very fortunate to be walking into it now uh, Charlie Johnson there with touching words about what his father Mark has achieved in his career and as I said to him at the beginning there Dave it is it is Mark Johnston through and through to step off the license in unorthodox fashion Absolutely. Uh, he started with a blank canvas in 1987, and that informed Mark Johnston's 
a training career, obviously a big brain and an inquiring mind. And look what happened that he, he surpassed, what was it? 4193. That was the, the tally of Richard Hannon senior at York in August, 2018. Last year, uh, the two of them operated in tandem on a joint license. Um, the victories of 2022 included the 5,000th triumph of Mark Johnston's career. That was via Dubai Mile. Subsequently, of course, a, a Group 1 winner at Kempton Park. That was in, in August, the 5,000th uh, victory, not the Group 1. And, yeah, uh, Charlie Johnston, he's been around a long time. When, when would you have first interviewed him on TV? He must have been barely a teenager. Well, I, I reckon, he, yeah, I reckon he was 12. Um, I, I'm 44 now, and I've been doing it about 20 21 years well this might be going to be my 21st year so yeah i reckon he'd be about 12 when i first interviewed him he's already a familiar face has been for some time um i i, I spoke to charlie yesterday and he, he he said i've had a huge head start uh in taking over the the facilities at, at kingsley park i think that um the another interesting thing he said was that you know he'd he'd seek to improve the numbers improve the quality Policy, etc. So you you know you wouldn't expect him to say, "Well, I'm going to sit back and enjoy the ride." But he's certainly got that uh, same combative spirit. I think that's been passed on by both Mark and Deirdre Johnston, his uh, his parents. And it all starts with Ray of Colours this afternoon. Expectations aren't that high. He said that Ray of Colours would have uh, run at Christmas. Uh, before Christmas, but for the meeting being uh, cancelled because of the frost, uh, and thinks that long term, medium term, his uh, prospects will better will be better when uh, he gets the chance to race in handicap company. Well, big race this weekend at Sandown Park's the Grade One Tolworth Hurdle. Let's hope we get another big field like we did in the Challow last weekend at Newbury. One of the key runners in the race is Authorised Speed, who ran so well in the bumper at Cheltenham last year, did best of the British trained horses, and has made a striking impression over hurdles to date. His most recent victory coming at Sandown Park, his owner, Pat Gallagher, is uh, on the line now. Pat, you've owned many good horses over the years, flat and jumping with a variety of different trainers. Where would you put this one in terms of the extent to which he, he excites you and gets you up in the morning? He'd be at the top of the list at the moment, Nick. Yeah, definitely. Right at the very, very top. I'm so pleased because um, he's he's a lovely horse. We we um, we bought him in Ireland, um, took him back here to the farm. Marty McGrath, who works for me at the farm, broke broke him in, and he said to me then, he said he took a bit of doing. He's got you know a bit of spark to him, and we just t- take it easy with him. We haven't been rushing. Gary is makes the plans and he's taken them along nicely and as you say he, he run well in the bumper at Cheltenham and you know his two harder runs since Lingfield and Sandown have been well as I said Sandown the last hurdle he, he just kicked it he smashed through it but he still got there um, nearly giving me a heart attack but as I say yeah no he's he's right at the top definitely at the moment and, and for people who aren't familiar, I mean, you've had, a, as, as you intimated there, a real hands-on involvement with these, these horses down the years as well. I mean, you've, you've had your own private training establishments. You've had horses with, a, with an awful lot of people. So is, is, to what extent can you, can you identify talent? Uh, I wouldn't put myself down, Nick, as the greatest, um, the greatest man at picking talented horses because I think over the years I've had a lot, a lot of horses. Yeah, I've had a lot of mediocre horses I've had a few good ones the last one I had was Aylesford 1-2 two, two, and we sold him to Hong Kong 
over the years, I've had Leitrim House with Brian Meehan, Earl of Leitrim, where been Leitrim in the county I come from in Ireland. Um, yeah, you know, I, as I say, I've, I've had I've had a lot of horses. I've had some good ones and a lot of mediocre ones. But you know, it's the sport we're in, Nick. And you know, it's like a, it's like trying to win the raffle prize. If you don't buy the tickets, you won't win the raffle. And why have you so consistently? bought raffle tickets for so long what is it about the sport that's that's made you keep doing it i'm your typical irishman i <laughs> love my, i love horses and i've loved them since i was a, a child and you know as the fun it's the fun it's the people you know my god there's not another sport i can sit down and watch on tv for maybe a couple hours i couldn't watch any other sport but i can sit down for two hours with my racing post, with the TV on, watching racing. It's, it's the people involved in it. There's so many people work so hard. You know, and I'm talking about stable staff, I'm talking about jockeys that drive halfway across this country maybe to ride one or two, you know, get one or two rides at a, at a jump meeting or at a flat meeting. You know, there's a, a lot of people put a hell of a lot of, come of, of it into the sport. And, you know, we all we all dream of having that on the flat that group one winner on uh, over jumps that grade one winner, you know, and, and you know, if you just have to keep the dream going. Well, you could have that grade one winner this weekend with with authorized speed. You've you've got involved with with Gary Moore, somebody who you've known for for a long time. What is it you admire about him as a as a trainer? You've you've seen plenty of different people training an awful lot of different horses. I admire Gary's work ethic and his family's work ethic. I mean, there's not everyone in that family. Gary, Jane, you know, the kids—they're all grafters. And you know, as a fellow that's had to build a business from scratch back 50 years ago, you know, I know what it takes to build a business. I know what it takes to run a, a, a big racing yard. And as I said, Gary is out there grafting himself. I love people that work hard at whatever they do. And. Pat, you've got Authorised Speed, who is going to fly the flag for you. He'll be, no doubt, either favourite or amongst the favourites on on Saturday. Uh, have you got exciting young horses coming up behind him? I've won, I've won two-year-old, um, oh, yeah, yeah, two-year-old now, um, that I bought. I haven't even seen him because with um, Richard Hannan. I haven't, even, I haven't even had a chance to go and see the horse. Um, and I've got one with William Knight, which is back at at the farm here having his holiday at the moment. You know, I haven't, I haven't had of a lot. I've, I've got a nice one with Jamie Osborne that has won, a, has won one or two races for me. And um, that'll be about it, Nick. I've got one in Ireland with, with Willie Mullins. When he'll run, I don't know. It's, it's like everything. If you have enough tickets, you have a chance of winning some prize. Well, I'm, I'm thinking you might have the golden ticket here. Uh, Pat, thanks for talking to me. Best of luck Saturday. Nick, thank you very much. Thank you. Right, there is only a very select handful of people who will be able to say, I have ridden Constitution Hill when the final analysis is written. One of those is the man who won the Grand National in 1990, now the racing correspondent for the Daily Telegraph, Marcus Armitage, because, as you'll have been reading, if you've been reading his copy over the last couple of weeks, he has been in a very privileged position. Um, Marcus, tell us why and tell us what it's been like. Um, well, yeah, I was just... Uh in the right place at the right time. Uh, I started out riding out for Nikki again in the autumn, and second day I was uh, having not ridden out for 
properly really for 20 years. He was a spare ride because Sean O'Brien uh, was away for a long weekend and they stuck me on him. I don't know why. I, You know, the main requirement for something I ride is that it has something of an armchair quality about it and he is the easiest horse in the yard. I actually didn't believe I was riding him to start with. I thought it was just a big hoax and everyone was in on it, but uh, it was him. Yeah, it was him. So did you did you get a chance to, you know, open up the bonnet a bit? No. <laughs> God, no. God. I, I'm not given the key to the bonnet. I think we all, you know, we all as journalists thought we, Nicky was sort of embellishing it a bit when he said he holds up the string and was thinking of sending him back to... Barry Garrity, um, but actually that's what he does. If you don't cut the corner on the indoor ride and hope everyone else goes around the outside, they start stacking up behind you. This is just walking and trotting. You know, it's just him. It's, it's he's got such a laid-back attitude, and actually, you know, he is absolute total contrast to his mate John Bon, who's you know he's always on his toes totally unrelaxed and this horse is just complete opposite horizontally laid back uh, sean had a ride on saturday so i got to ride him again i mean it's a bit less nerve-wracking obviously he just had a run so you know he's he was exactly the same you and i defy anyone just cantering up the all weather which is a beautiful surface five furlongs but just doing a hat canter, I'd def- you know, defy anyone, even a jockey of a lot more experience and quality than myself to think you were riding Constitution Hill or a horse of his ability because you, it's, it's, it's almost impossible to tell just doing that. I did, uh, going, around, going around the sort of Wexford sand gallop they have, he because he sort of floated over it, and in the summer it's quite deep. I did think, you know, he's obviously quite a nice horse, but, you know, if you ask Sean or Nico, does do you give them much of a feel? It's not until they ask him a question in a piece of work or in a race that he actually, um, and he does open up, that they get a, a feel of him, and then it, then it is something else, I think. Um, now you you had a pretty nerve wracking weekend, not riding Constitution Hill, but your daughter Molly her, had her first ride in a point to point at Lark Hill yesterday, which probably a made you feel quite quite senior, and b probably made you feel quite terrified, didn't it? Um, yeah, no, I was pretty relaxed actually. Funnily enough, Rafe Beckett's daughter Katinka had her first ride in a different race, but at the same meeting, and I asked him if there was a special room for sort of first-time fathers of point-to-point jockeys. Um, but I, no, she rode a horse, actually, Nicky Henson used to train it called Monbeg Legend, who is, as his name suggests, just that. And I'd seen her school him loads of times, so uh, I was pretty relaxed that she was on a safe conveyance. And he was pretty competitive for two miles and got a bit tired and will improve for the run probably so um she got a good taste of what it's like and loved it and um you know horse would never put a foot wrong so and finished fourth in the end i think so that was that was great yes um nice to get the first one out of the way really daily's head of ross marcus armitage there david yates from the daily mirror is with me um molly armitage having her first ride we were talking about charlie johnston uh, training earlier on now this is one to make you feel a bit senior isn't it 
those of us in the press room are familiar with Molly. She's uh, she's come to our place to work for a few years with uh, Marcus now, and great to see her uh, riding at Lark Hill yesterday. I I did I wasn't there myself, but I I did speak to a couple of race goers uh, as they left the track, and they told me that she already uh, looks a bit more stylish than her old man. So uh, some very promising beginnings to build on there. Yeah, but he's been getting to ride Constitution Hill out, so um, isn't he the lucky one? Dave, what have you got for us for today? Right, well, I'm going to go to air for the 2.15 race, Rowdy Rustler, a horse who returned from a wind operation and 289 days off for a chase debut second at Newcastle. That was in mid-November, and second start over the larger obstacles today, I hope will yield a victory. Two ten, sorry, two fifteen race at air selection is number six. Rowdy Rustler, David. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. Be back to do it all over again tomorrow. That was Monday, January the second. Happy New Year. Bye bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.